Hey everyone, welcome back to my Blackadian universe. I feel like I'm saying this a lot lately, but it's been a tough week um, for being black and I have a lot of thoughts on it and um, just gonna try and get them out. But I want to focus on the police because it has been um, a tough week with police brutality and what I'm seeing on social media people don't really understand the relationship of the black community with the police so yeah let's talk about it So the police. So when people talk about defunding the police, people get really upset um, because they don't understand what that means. Um, if you, I'm going to do like a Cliff Notes version of it, but um, there's a really great episode of um, John Oliver and he explains exactly why we need to defund the police it doesn't mean that we're going to be like a lawless society like the wild west and you know everybody for themselves um there can be law and order without funneling lots and lots and lots of money into the police force which we have um anytime there's a problem you know police aren't the solution um and oftentimes they're used as a solution to social um, problems that could be solved through funding other community um, supports, you know, better infrastructure in an area, you know, more um, services you know other things in a community are better served being funded than the police and you know oftentimes uh it's sort of like this default um solution where these people like you know the police need to go into this community to control them or protect them or you know whatever the case may be when there are other ways and it's just a um it's a shorthand for protecting white people. Okay, let's so <laughs> let's back it up. So the history of the police in America and in Canada, yes, here in Canada, for my Canadian listeners, is that they were basically uh, like a militia that was created to serve white people to um, capture um, and you know parole or you know patrol and check for runaway slaves from America that were coming to Canada and returning them to their owners as well as you know um, policing and uh, you know policing uh, capturing indigenous people that um, you know didn't want to go to indigenous schools and you know returning them by force there um, so that is, you know, the, um, you know, also they were created by white people to protect white people, protect white people's um, 
investment in their what they believed was their property human beings that uh you know we call slaves and you know that is the history of the police with people of color they were created to control uh, people of color and you know um later on when black people became officially free um under legislation um they were meant you know obviously white people thought there's going to be some hard feelings which there damn well should be um and so it was you know once they had these subhuman you know the the history was as such that you know in order to treat somebody like a slave you had to believe that they weren't as good as you um and so now that these people were given equal rights as you and they were just walking around how could these subhuman people literally uh be a part of society be part of civilized white society and so the police then switched over to protecting these white people from these so-called subhuman people and that mentality that lesson is so ingrained it is muscle memory to white people that they believe that they still need that kind of protection from black people today that is why excessive force is used against black people and the most liberal person police officer will not even know that he has that belief it is hundreds of years old it is part of his dna that they believe that and that is why we need to speak out against it to voice that to remind people of that history and why it is so 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 incorrect that is why you see people feeling like they're doing their job and their due diligence is because they see black skin and they are believing that they are in danger they believe that this person has some sort of superhuman ability to be cause them more harm than a white person because they have been told that that person is not like them they are not just like them they're going to do something badly to them that is why they have a job that is why they exist and that is why black and brown people are killed at a higher rate than white people you've unless you've been you know living under a rock this past week you've seen the images of you know children being killed in the streets black and brown children um children 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 i i will not tolerate anyone calling them you know grown adults they are children um even like just because some arbitrary law says like that you're 18 when you're adult no there's research coming out that your brain is like super weird <laughs> and undeveloped even into your like 20s and they're actually trying to get some juvenile um uh laws changed because you can't make a rational decision until you're like in your 20s your brain is not an adult so we need to you know change that thinking for those of you who believe in science or you know want to believe those laws just do do a quick google search and you'll see that they're trying to actually shift um that 18 adulthood thing um as well so and well, you've seen the images of 
black and brown children getting killed. And then you also see images of, you know, heavily armed white children being, you know, taken into custody by police, taken to uh, get something to eat. You know, they can just de-escalate a situation because they see a human being when they see a white kid. They don't see a human being um, when they look at um, a black and brown person. So that is essentially what people are speaking out about when we say that there are two worlds we're talking about the world that you know a police system was never built never built to protect brown and black people it was not built that way it was built to protect whiteness at the cost of black and brown lives and that's why we need to defund the police we need to put our resources into supporting disadvantaged communities to lift those people up. And, um, you know, I, I am a huge supporter of black excellence um, because I'm black, but also because I have eyes and I have seen what this country, America and Canada both, has tried to do to us as a black people, tried to strip of us, us of our dignity and our culture, and they cannot do it. They will not do it. And that is a black S excellence. It makes me proud to be black when I see that because, you know, um, we are an amazing resilient people and i love it i love it about us and um it's beautiful it's beautiful to see and it gives me hope because i know how strong our people are and uh it's going to be a beautiful thing on the other side of this oppression just what we can do what we have done under such horrible um debilitating uh, conditions in the world and to think of how we're going to prosper when we remove systemic barriers. It's just, look out world, here we come. It's going to be friggin' fabulous. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to touch on is calling out racist people. Um, it's something that uh, uh, we all need practice in doing. Um, even me as, you know, a black woman, uh, it took practice. It took practice for me to call it out. And it's really important because racism isn't the same uh, as it was or what people think of it is as it's not, you know, um, you know, It, well, it can be as dramatic as, you know, physically harming somebody, but it's also microaggressions. You know, it's the little ways, you know, um, people can be disrespectful to black people, demeaning to them. Um, and you need to call it out every time you can, I think. You know, uh, if you haven't had a chance, please listen to my previous episode. Um, <laughs> my, that it's called... Um, that sounds kind of racist and I feel like I have to say it like my friend just like that sounds 
kind of racist. <laughs> That's how I hear it in my head anyway. Um, and it was just about how um, one of my good friends, you know, uh, she's a white woman and we were at the office and she called out one of um, her peers for saying something racist, something that I couldn't do <laughs> in the workplace. And, you know, she's just with ease and I immediately liked her when she said that. And I was like, we good. We're going to be friends. Um, so yeah, check that episode out. It's, uh, you know, really good, but it does take practice. You know, it, uh, we all don't want to be uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about it, but it's necessary. And, you know, um, there's people that do it on purpose to be demeaning and disrespectful. And there's people that generally don't know, and they would be grateful to have that, you know, intervention and correction. And I always start off by being kind and under the assumption that they just don't know. And, you know, when I find out that they do, then hold on to your hat because it's on um i will check you put you in your place and so i really want to talk about normalizing that so um you know uh, what in my work i have the absolute joy of being able to you know help my organization on their anti-racist journey and one of the questions that i get a lot um my organization is you know very white um and you know a large percentage more than half of the workforce it's like approaching 80 percent of the population there is white and so um they often you know want to know what they can do what can i do to help you what can i do to help be an anti-racist like what do i do it's not just um, enough anymore to not actively be like, you know, lynching black people in the street. Um, they know that, but, you know, they feel like they can't do anything. And so, you know, education, research, that's all great. But one of the things is, you know, I, I say to call it out. If something's making you uncomfortable, if someone says something that's not cool, someone says something to you, assuming that you're like in this group of whiteness together, you have to show them that you won't tolerate it, that they're not safe, that th that kind of behavior isn't safe even in the company of only white people. You need to call them out, check them, educate them, and tell them what's why that's wrong and why you're not going to listen to it, even though there's no people of color around. And, you know, I also followed up by saying that it takes practice. It's a hard thing to do. It's hard to say to your friends. It's hard to say to your peers. It's hard to say in a workplace. Um, but that's really um, something that I feel it's like daily hard work. And, you know, it's going some people their um, hearts can't be changed, their minds can't be changed. But the people that are you know, not even realizing that they're doing it, I think it'll start them on their journey of being an anti-racist. And I think it's also super, super um, an easier transition from them when it comes from another white person. Like, I feel like they're uh, more uncomfortable or more on guard around me, but then to have their guard down and then you can get in there and tell them and check them on their prejudices, I think it's going to you know, for some, it's going to be revolutionary. And, um, and that's a very important thing. This week, I've been, well, I haven't been shocked. I, I guess I should be more shocked, but I'm not. 
um, you know, I'm always shocked, I guess, I guess I am a shocked, I'm a human being about how, you know, just how chilling it is about the racism that lies beneath the surface of so many people that believe they're genuinely good people. And, uh, you're not, (laughs) I try, I'm trying to make it okay. You know, um, you're not, if you are okay with children getting shot by police because they had a knife, you're not a good person. That's not okay. There's, there's, police should be protecting people. Um, and they get trained to de-escalate situations and, you know, they're wrong to, to do it. It, it. They shouldn't be shooting people that have knives. I mean, it's just, it's not a fair fight. It's not a fight. The police are here to, if you truly believe that the police are supposed to be protecting people, all people, then you need to look inside yourself and find out why you think it's okay um, that they're just shooting children, um, even if they're armed. Um, It's not okay. Um, So yeah, you're not a good person if you think that that that's okay. Um, And yeah, it, it chills me when I read things like that, when I see people thinking that it's okay. And, you know, just imagine that they're that person, that child was white, would you feel the same way that the police made the right decision? And if the answer is no, then I think that's the beginning of your journey um, to be a better person and on your anti-racism journey, because you'll find um, why people are so upset, why it's so wrong. And you know, it, it also, it, it's chilling because it, it makes me think that if there was a policy change, you know, how many of these people that say that they're, you know, not racist, that they love all people would still support, you know, black lives if, um, it wasn't easy and fashionable to do so. You know, how many people would just jump back into owning slaves if someone, you know, by the stroke of a pen, if someone just made it legal to do so? A shocking number of people, I'm afraid. That's truly what I believe. I I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, which is depressingly sad um, and awful. And, uh, it, you know, to see someone's real feelings and real heart and see how much they devalue my own life just because of the color of my skin, it makes it hard. Um, on, you know, days like this, on weeks like this, that um, to have faith in uh, humanity. It really does. And it's exhausting and it's tiring. And I've been trying to take a break from social media and, you know, um, luckily I have a great support network and, um, you know, people reaching out so we can, you know, share our thoughts and feelings just about how hard it is. 
um, to be black this week. And it's, it's so nice. So I hope that, um, you know, if you're black and you're listening to this, I hope that you've taken some time and some self-care and self-mental health breaks for yourself because it's, you know, it's maddening. It's frustrating. It's wrong. And, you know, it sometimes feels like you can't make a difference. You can't change um, such a corrupt, systemic, racist country it's so steeped in people's psyches that they don't even see it anymore um but you have to remember that you can make them see it it is going to change we are going to change the world um if we've learned anything from you know the chauvin trial is that um it can change um it's it's not enough. It's not justice. It's just, you know, holding somebody who's committing a crime accountable shouldn't be, you know, so monumental, but unfortunately it is, you know, it is, it is, you know, a keystone piece in having, you know, someone be accountable for their crimes against black people. And we're headed in the right direction. We need to get there faster. Um, but, you know, just I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And we have to remind ourselves of that hope um, every day because it, it's so, so, so important in continuing our fight for equality and true justice. So let's keep fighting. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to like, comment and subscribe uh, to my podcast so you never miss an episode. And I will talk to you next time.